0: Unless you've been living under uh, some kind of rock, you will know that there's a general election, uh, two weeks on Thursday. And uh, as Christians, as we share together, we know that it's our responsibility to get involved. To get involved in the world that God's made, to get involved in the people that make up the world that God has made and politics at the end of the day is all about people and so to, to that end we we seek to be people who are engaged and involved people who think about and vote and express our involvement not just at the ballot box but in the way that we live between general elections and the way that we work out our faith in and through the community so as has been our custom in recent years we've invited the parliamentary candidates from the main parties invited five parliamentary candidates uh, this time round, heading towards Thursday, the 12th of uh, December. Uh, this morning, we have Sandy Martin with us. Uh, he's the parliamentary candidate for the Labour Party. He's been our MP for the last uh, couple of years, although he's no longer our MP, technically, as we go into this uh, general election season. Would you give a Burlington welcome, please, to Sandy Martin? Thank you. We super appreciate uh, you spending the time to be with us in the midst of uh, Christmas preparations. Uh, so we're really grateful to you. you you've had the, um, the joy and I'm sure the challenge of being our MP for the last two years. Would you just reflect with us um, something of what you think have been the, the key kind of moments in those last two years? Things you've gone, yes, we did it. And, and maybe things you went, oh,
1: we didn't do it. Well, I mean, I wish I could... Share a yes we did it moment. I'm 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 not sure there has been one. It's been a really, really messy two and a half years. Um, and uh I know that a lot of people who've been watching Parliament and more people I think have been watching Parliament on television and uh, on uh on iPlayer and so on uh over the last two years than they've ever watched it before. Um, but I think a lot of them have been really a bit taken aback. Uh, by some of the shouting and abuse and unnecessary behaviour. I don't like that. I don't think it's a good way of running the country. Um, And I want to see a more grown-up and a more sensible parliament in the future. Um, But uh, there have been so many near... Moments. Uh, You know, we have had other things going on apart from Brexit, and none of them have come to anything because Brexit has got in the way of all the other things. We've had an agricultural bill, which is important to this town. I know there's not many farms in Ipswich. Uh, There's one, in fact, it's about to have 3,000 houses built on it, so there will be no farms in Ipswich. But We have a port which exports and imports stuff that's absolutely vital to agriculture. We have people living in Ipswich who work in agriculture. That was really important. We put an enormous amount of effort into trying to get the right agriculture bill. Uh, And there was a lot that the parties agreed about about that as well and yet it came to nothing because uh, Brexit got in the way. And there were various other things as well where uh, we didn't manage to make any progress. So we have got to get that sorted. And uh, I'm hoping and looking forward to getting stuck into getting that sorted out in the new year if I'm re-elected.
0: Great. We'll come on to Brexit in a minute. It would seem strange uh, to ignore it in this conversation. But just keeping local and talking about a couple of things that uh, we know were dear to your heart, uh, you really hope that... uh, the money that had been earmarked, I think 100 million or something you've talked about, uh, earmarked for the Ipswich, for the second uh, uh, Orwell Bridge, be immediately, in your words, redeployed for the northern bypass because you, you, you recognised not only the congestion in the town, but the level of air pollution. You talked about children dying on Chevalier Street as, a, as an illustration of that. Uh, I mean, clearly that was something you really wanted. What happened to, to all of that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we have got some progress on that, not anywhere near as much as I'd want, uh, The the Upper World Crossing, uh, so-called, I thought was a bridge to nowhere, and I was glad that it was stopped. Uh, But we do need to deal with the congestion in Ipswich. Uh, And I know that there are some people who are uh, very much opposed to building any roads anywhere. Uh, But I would just say that if we can build a North Ipswich bypass, by the time it's finished, uh, all the vehicles, all the new vehicles coming onto the road will be electric or hydrogen or whatever, Anyway, we have a program for changing over from petrol and diesel because we know how damaging that can be. But we've got to get vehicles out of the centre of Ipswich. It really is impossible. And just uh, over the last few days when the Orwell Bridge has been closed, we've seen just how impossible it becomes. And it's not just about people wasting their lives sitting in cars. It's also about the people who want to walk or who want to cycle breathing in all the fumes from all that congestion. So we've got to do something about it. The county council has now got a plan. It took an awful lot of shouting and cajoling and everything to get them to put a plan forward. They put it out to consultation. They're now sitting on the results. Uh, one of the first things I'll be doing if I'm re-elected is to uh, get back to them and say, look, what's happened to these results? Let's get a move on.
0: And is air pollution in the centre of Ipswich it, so still as, as, as dire as you were presenting?
1: It, it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's been particularly bad actually over the last couple of weeks when it's dry and cold uh you can really smell it in the air uh but it's actually the things you can't smell which are very often uh, the most dangerous and there are certain streets where it really is bad uh i think the worst ones are st helen street and chevalier street but there are plenty of other streets as well where children are breathing in fumes day in day out and it's really not good for them
0: are they still dying
1: well you can never it's very difficult to pinpoint an actual death as a result of air pollution but what you can say is that there are more deaths from asthma there are more deaths from uh lung disease there are more deaths from various other things and we know that where there is less air pollution there are less deaths so we can calculate using statistics uh, how many extra deaths we're expecting as a result of air pollution you can't easily pinpoint one particular one. Uh, but, you know, anybody, any, any situation where a politician is willing to allow our children to die unnecessarily, I think, is, is wrong. And uh, I will do everything I possibly can to get the North Ipswich Bypass built. And also to do other measures to try and prevent the World Bridge from being closed so often, because that's another contributory factor to congestion in our town.
0: You talked very movingly um, when you were here last uh, about the dilemma that many of us face. You you will know that as a church we uh, uh, reach out to lots of people on the edge of society that are socially and economically feeling alienated and so on. And you talked about meeting a a heroine addict as as you described mm-hmm. and uh, and the the, the you want to do something you want to give them some money and that's not going to be used right you talked uh, about the way you reflected on it just like we have and we've gone and bought a meal and you went back and uh, and i uh, think she's gone and that kind of sense of hopelessness around it uh, and what you were really crying uh, out for is is could we have an open access hostel in ipswich is is there still plans for for that
1: well i I haven't seen exact plans for that. I know that there's been an issue around Cavendish Lodge, which was the open access place, or meant to be open access place, uh, that the, can- uh, the council could send people to if they had nowhere else to go that evening. Um, I don't think Cavendish Lodge ever worked as well as it ought to have done. Uh, I'm still uh, going to be Pushing for a 24-hour-a-day supported open-access hospital. I think anything less than that is not actually going to meet the need. But you know what? It's not just about people who are actually sleeping rough. It's also about all the people who are sleeping on their friends' floors, who are sleeping with their parents even though they've now started their own family, uh, people who are uh, desperately trying to find somewhere where they don't all have to share the same bedroom. There are an awful lot of homeless people in Ipswich. We need more houses, and uh, I'm hoping that we will be building far more in the coming years.
0: And talking about that whole kind of struggle of economic and relational poverty, we might talk about re- resulting in mental poverty or mental health issues. Um, we, we know that Suffolk and Norfolk foundation have been in special measures probably for far too long Uh, you will agree with me I I know that the people working in those areas are fantastic but they're super under-resourced and uh, we'll talk about knife crime obviously in a moment but uh, 21 times as many people die of male suicide than of knife crime what could we rear what's the plan if, well, if Labour was in, in power, obviously what's the we, plan?
1: Obviously, we need more money going into mental health, and that is one of the areas where we would be putting in far more resources. But it's not just about the money. It's also about the organisation and the uh, split up of the National Health Service into the uh, community care... Uh, groups and uh, the uh, strategic partnership what and the do and, and the mental health trust and the hospital and so on and so forth is not helpful we need to get them all back together again and we need to work them to work seamlessly with social care as well because if somebody is uh, uh, not able to look after themselves I actually don't think it matters that much or it shouldn't matter that much, whether that is because of dementia or because they need a hip replacement or because uh, they are, uh, have a heart condition or for any other reason. If, it's, if, if somebody needs help, they need help. And we shouldn't be artificially categorizing it into uh, social care help or a health help. And it all needs to be joined up so that people get what they need and not just what they fit the box of.
0: That sounds really exciting and positive. Is there a plan for that? I, I, uh, I'm not an expert in the Labour Manifesto, um, uh, I don't, but in the highlights about medical care and so on, mental health didn't seem to appear to me, and I was surprised at that.
1: It wasn't very um, well fleshed out in the manifesto because, obviously, you've only got a limited amount of space in the manifesto. But we want to have a national care service to run alongside and with the National Health Service. You know, we got I think we got the National Health Service right when it was founded. We need to improve it now. It needs more resources now, and it needs bringing back together again so that it is not split up into artificial bits. But we never really got uh, care right I think uh, when, uh, just after the war, the first Labour government just after the war, I think we assumed that most people were going to die in their 60s or 70s. And, of course, they did in those days. Um, And now that people are living longer, we need to be able to have uh, a properly funded and properly organised coherent care service for everybody as well as uh, a national health service. And I'll just say one other thing. I think for an awful lot, the majority of older people who need care, the best possible care that they can get and the place where they get the best possible care is at home with their relatives. If it is possible to do that, that is where the best care is. Um, And actually, the majority of care for elderly people is at home with their relatives. I don't think that the present system, the present government, the benefit system and so on, makes it as easy as it ought to be for people to stay at home and care for their relatives. We want to try and help people at home. We want to make sure that people are not leaving home to go into residential care unless they have to. Because, uh, you know, people need to be treated with respect. They need to be treated as individuals. And I know most people would rather stay with their relatives. But we've got to actually make that financially feasible. I'm going through a personally, uh, situation at the moment trying to find... Uh, a new uh, bungalow uh, uh, for my mother because she's no longer able to look after herself my sister is going to look after her but we're having no end of difficulties because although we know we can afford it in the long run to get the bungalow and to have my mother living with my sister in the bungalow uh, there are all sorts of unnecessary hurdles being put in our way and we need to get rid of those hurdles
0: Is Ipswich safe? It doesn't feel as safe as it used to feel Uh, and I think events yesterday, just a stone's throw away from here, uh, make us think that maybe our fears are not irrational or as irrational as we hope. Does that worry you?
1: I'm going to be very careful what I say here because I know that there are elderly people uh, and even some not so elderly people who are afraid to go out of the house and I think that's wrong Um, and Actually, the number of people being killed and injured in Ipswich is still not so great that people should change the way they live their lives because of it. However, it is not acceptable, and it is not as safe as it should be. It's nowhere near as safe as it should be. Ipswich is actually about the same level of safety as Sheffield. Now, we normally think of big cities as she- like Sheffield mm. as being deeply unsafe places, but uh, Ipswich is no safer, in fact slightly less safe, than Sheffield, and it shouldn't be like that. And although most of the people who are being killed and injured in uh, the current wave of knife crime are actually people who are themselves involved in crime, that is no good reason for just turning a blind eye and walking away. We need to deal with the crime issue. We need to deal with knife crime. We need to deal with young people getting involved in crime in the first place we need to prevent them we need to stand in and guide them and make sure that they don't get involved in crime in the first place it is really not acceptable and we need more police we need more police uh, support community support officers we need more back office staff Uh, but we also need better youth services better probation services we need to make sure that people are not getting involved in crime in the first place
0: so what's the plan
1: well, that is, you know, it's, uh, at the moment, the majority of people who go to prison get very little support. When they come out of prison, they get very little support. They go back into crime, and we're all less safe. We need to make sure that when people are in prison, they are actually getting... Uh, re-educated, that they are getting uh, the uh, counselling, that they're getting, uh, in some cases, education there's an immense number of people who get involved in crime who can't read or write it's, I think it's terrible that we still have so many people who can't read or write in this country but we also need to start before they get into trouble in the first place, we need to make sure that they're guided, we need to make sure that there's support for uh, youth services for youth clubs, uh, for outreach work, for all of those things that young people, you know there's there's a moment at which Uh, in many cases, a young person decides whether or not they're actually getting involved in crime. And if they are allowed to do that, if they are left to their own devices and get involved in that, it is incredibly difficult for them to then get out of it. We need to make sure that they don't reach that movement without everything that we can do to prevent them from taking that bad choice.
0: Free broadband, everybody. We, We were all thrilled to hear that, except maybe those working for BT who are a major contributor to our church economy and our local economy. What effect will it have on us here in Ipswich?
1: Well, it won't have any effect on the people who are working for BT because, uh, in fact, there will be more jobs uh, as a result because there will be a load of government investment going into putting in the broadband. So that they will just, uh, anybody who is going into the new nationalised broadband infrastructure company will just transfer over uh, at the same terms and conditions and probably in the end get better terms and conditions that normally tends to happen. It's more stable. Uh, You're more likely to get a a stable pension at the end of your working life and so on. Um, So the people who work for BT have absolutely nothing to fear after this at all. Uh, With BT shares, what's going to happen is that, obviously, the whole of BT is not being nationalised. It's just the broadband. And the uh, the broadband value, the value of open reach, will be compensated to BT through government bonds. So in the short term, that might mean that there's a slight reduction in the value of the shares, but it will give them a lot of stability. And I've told, uh, because obviously government bonds are completely stable, they're not going to lose their value. Mm. So that will give the BT shares more stability in the long run. And I've been told by quite a few people who actually work for BT uh, that they were getting very worried about open reach because the amount of investment you need to Put in broadband for the whole country just wasn't coming to them, and they were not able to carry through the programme that they were meant to be carrying through, and they didn't feel that BT as a company was benefiting from the broadband rollout in the way that they should have been. So I don't think that actually BT shareholders have anything to worry about either. Uh, the the upshot is, of course, that with free broadband for everybody we will see a massive increase in the use of broadband. And that has good news both for our competitiveness in our economy but also for our environment because it means you'll be able to do things uh, using video phones, using uh, your computer, which means that you won't have to go into the office every day. And I think uh, for an awful lot of people, not having to drive uh, 20 miles a day or whatever uh, will be a massive improvement in their lives and it will be a massive improvement in the environment as well.
0: You've talked about all sorts of uh, ideas to tackle all kinds of issues just in the last ten minutes. Uh, where's all the money coming from? I mean, that's one of the questions, isn't it? I know that Jeremy Corbyn talks about uh, 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 what's the a uh, record investment blitz. I mean, is that sort of cash that readily available?
1: Yes. It is. I mean, the thing about investment money is that, uh, I mean, people think about money as if there's a limited pot. You know, it's, it's like if you play Monopoly and you've got this amount of printed money and that's it. And you're not allowed to have any other money. Um, and that's not actually the way that money works. Money is like, uh, it's like a lubricant. It enables you to do things. If government puts in investment and people are doing things that they wouldn't have otherwise done, that actually builds the entire economy so that the whole economy grows. So it looks as if you've spent money, but in fact, the overall amount of money in the economy has actually grown by the amount that you've spent, hopefully, if the investment is the right investment. So that it's not actually increasing your indebtedness in that sense. You are actually just growing the economy. If you play Monopoly without any printed money, by the way, which I did with my sister one time, um, everyone just gets richer and richer. Now, uh, I think that's the sort of world we want to live in, but... It's, uh, it's the day-to-day spend on hospitals and on schools and on the police service and on things like that where you actually need to be able to pay for that with taxation. Because obviously if you just spend money on day-to-day uh, expenditure, you're not growing the economy, you're making live people people's lives better uh, in the short run. But if you're spending the money and you're not getting it from anywhere, then you actually devalue the value of the currency. And we can't afford to do that we know what happens when that happens we've seen it in other countries so what we do need to do is we do need to increase taxation but we have absolutely pledged that we will not increase taxation for anybody earning less than 80,000 a year now there are some people I'm sure in this room who will see some increase in their taxation but if if you're earning over 80,000 a year I actually think it is possible for you to pay a little bit more in tax and if you can do that and if we have a a government which actually raises uh, the level of taxation for people earning over 80,000 a year then we will be able to have a properly funded health service a properly funded police service and education. And uh, and people say oh well you know uh, there's not that many people uh, earning that amount of money Uh, it's not going to make that much difference to the economy. That's not true. Um, In fact... Since 2010, the present government has given away £86 billion of tax cuts. £86 billion of tax cuts. That is an enormous amount of money. And with that amount of money, reversing those tax cuts, making sure that the very wealthy actually do pay more contribution, we will be able to improve our public services.
0: Great. We're beginning to run out of time, so a couple of quick-fire questions just to cover some things that uh, it's, it's not quick because the issues aren't important, but just simply uh, brevity of time. Climate change. Why is, why is Labour the party to vote for?
1: Climate change is absolutely essential, um, and we need to uh, we need to actually radically change the way we do things. And if you're going to do that, you cannot be in hoc to some of the people who are making profits out of the damaging. Uh, behaviours. So we get almost all of the Labour Party money comes from our individual members and our inter- individual trade union members through their levies that they have voted to give. And uh, most of the Conservative Party's money comes from big business including fossil fuel companies. So what so will you do? We are in a better position to actually deal with the things. We will... Uh, in- accelerate the move to non-polluting vehicles. We will put an enormous amount of money into uh, insulating people's, investing in people's houses so that are better insulated, and that goes for businesses as well, not just houses. Um, we will uh, move to uh, totally renewable electricity generation. Uh, we will improve public transport so that people don't have to drive everywhere, um, and those things, I think, between them will make a huge difference, and we will plant Millions of trees. I mean, everyone says they want to plant trees, uh, but we will, uh, we will actually put the um, resources in to make it happen. We will plant millions of trees, and that will help to deal with climate change as well.
0: And on Brexit, it's been talked about uh, till the cows go home and back out again. Mm. So your personal view, is Jeremy Corbyn doing the right thing by not being clear about his own position?
1: I think he is, and it's, it's not an easy message to sell. But, in fact, people are fed up with Parliament arguing about Brexit. If there was one thing that I've heard over and over again from people, it is that they don't want Parliament to just do it to them. They're fed up with the arguments in Parliament. We need to put it back to the British people. I don't think there is any other way of resolving it. And if we're going to be asking the British people to make another decision, we have to make it clear what exactly it is that they're deciding so that there won't be any more arguments in Parliament afterwards. So a second referendum has to be a second referendum and then implementation straight away after that. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to be putting it back to the British people, I think it's wrong to presuppose the answer before you get there.
0: And how on earth are we going to rebuild trust? People are looking for trust, aren't they, and their public leaders. And I think we'd all agree that, that that trust, for whatever reason, whatever finger-pointing, is at an all-time low. What, what can you personally do to rebuild trust?
1: I think... From from my personal point of view, the most important thing at the moment in a general election is to focus on what I want to do and what I think the Labour Party wants to do and what I want a present and future government to do, uh, rather than just having a go at my opponents. And I think people don't like that, and for very good reason, because if people are willing to tell you what they want and what they want to do, then you have a basis for deciding whether or not to vote for them. If people just spend their time slagging off the other opposition then all you get is uh, the uh, impression correct impression that they're just attacking each other and I don't think that's helpful.
0: We'd love to pray for you whatever happens on the 12th of December we'd like you to remember that uh, we are part of the largest voluntary organisation in Ipswich and uh, we want to serve this town we believe in this town and we'd love to hear any ways that the church can get more connected and more involved. Can we pray? Father, we want to thank you for people who are willing to stand in public life. There is a sacrifice to that vocation, that sense of calling. And whatever our opinions or persuasions, we are grateful for people who are willing to serve and pray for them that they would know your wisdom and guidance, that they would know uh, justice and mercy and love and compassion, that they would be instruments of every good thing that comes from your heart. And so we pray for Sandy to that end in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Sandy Martin, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much indeed.